Uh, let's give the Lord praise for Parker today. But Parker was one of them little babies here at church. Uh, some of you probably held him as a baby at Oakton. And anyway, he grew up through the, for lack of words, uh, our uh, program, if you will, what God had called Oakton to do. And God has brought him to the place that he is here today. But again, we don't give Oakton glory. We give God glory for what Oakton has done through, or for what God has done through him. And to see a man of God today that, be honest with you, I'm going to introduce him today as the evangelist, Parker Garfield, because I think he's an evangelist at heart. But, but Jesus came in and got a hold of him. And I praise the Lord for that today. So let's lift Parker to the Lord today. Father, we lift Parker to you today and we thank you for him and his wife, Sierra, and his family that's with us today. Father, we ask for again an outpouring of your spirit here today. Lord, we know you're here. And so, Lord, we just need to step into you. And so, Father, today we as a group uh, offer ourselves up to you as a, a living sacrifice, as Romans 12 says. Father, that, that we would just say, here we are today, use us. And we thank you for the words that you're going to speak through Parker today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, let's give God some shout of praise today. You can do better than that, Oakton. Come on now. I know the Chiefs lost the Super Bowl, but that's like three weeks ago. Let's be, let's rejoice in the Lord this morning. Praise God. I, I, I believe so much in, in what I say. I'm going to call him pastor, but he's my uncle. Uh, what Uncle Kent shared there about God having a plan for lives of, of people in this place today. I believe that with all my heart. And as he shared that scripture in, in Jeremiah 29, the most important aspect of that scripture is when God says, you seek me, that's when you find me, when you seek me with all your heart. And man, that's the type of people I believe that Oakton uh, is and, and raises up, is it raises people up to send them out. And that's what the church is called to do. Amen. And I believe that I'm a testimony of that. My life is a testimony of the faithful servants that have given their time and their tithe and their talents to this church to bless others all across the world. It's fantastic. Uh, but that's what God does. Amen. He touches lives and he changes lives and then he sends them out into the world to change others' lives. So good morning. Welcome uh, to Oakton Church. Welcome for those that are coming online today. I'll give you guys a second to get connected if you're still in your pajamas at home, chilling in the nice heat or, or whatever it is. At least it ain't negative 30 outside. So praise God. A good crowd this morning. Good crowd this morning. I'm excited to be here. Uh, Pastor, he, he asked me last week if I would share. And, and man, anytime I can come back, quote unquote, home, I don't hesitate. Because uh, this, this place blessed me so many years throughout my life. I believe I'm the man because of, of so many people. I could look out in the crowd and man, y'all are getting old, that's for sure. But... <laughs> As I say that, I'm, I'm 30 now with a beautiful wife and a beautiful daughter. Uh, man, God is, is so good. He's so faithful. But man, I'm so, I'm glad to be here today. I'm pumped to be here today. So we're going to be continuing week two. Everybody say week two. Words from the cross. Words from the cross. And as we continue this series, we are going to be talking about the particular subject of salvation. And if you're taking notes, and I will, I like to say this a lot when I preach, people who take notes, the, the, the statistics is that 95% better chance to go to heaven if you take notes. <laughs> that wasn't a real statistic, but I say that so people can get their note, like elbowing your wife. And, Did you bring the notebook today? 
But I believe that we learn so much more as we write down things because I believe that God speaks to me and, and what he speaks as, as God says in his word, we write that upon our hearts. Let's write that in a notebook. Don't let the enemy steal what he's going to speak to you today. Amen. So let's get our notebooks out. If you want to go to heaven, take some notes. Those online, get your notebook out real quick. Praise God. It's going to be a great day. But I've entitled this message today, The Gift of Salvation. The Gift of Salvation. And I want us to think really quickly. I like to meditate upon what we're talking about. Think about, really just not just read the word, but really read the word and let it read us. What do you, what comes to your mind when you think of, of what a gift is? Just think real quickly to yourself. What, what does a gift mean to me? We're talking about the gift of salvation. What does or what is a gift? And if you look at our English language, it defines a gift as something given willingly to someone. But I don't think that does justice for what took place at the cross. I really don't think it does. I don't think the English language does justice for the work that Jesus did on the cross. So praise God, we're going to learn a Greek word today. Everybody say Dorea. You got to roll that R, baby, Dorea. That is the Greek word for gift. And I love this this definition. It, it better describes, it gives us a greater detail about what the cross is and what Jesus did at the cross. And Dorea means something that is given, everybody say, above and beyond. Something that is given above and beyond what is expected or deserved. Dorea, something given above what is expected or deserved. And I want us to really think about this before I read the text, because up to this point, Jesus has been arrested. He's been betrayed by one of his close circle friends. Think about this. You guys think your life is tough right now. Jesus was betrayed by someone he was trying to invest his life into. He was arrested. He was put on trial that if you look back to the old law, it was an illegal trial overnight. They weren't even supposed to be doing it, but it took place. And then not only that, he was declared innocent, not once, not two times, but three times by Pilate, only then to be sentenced to a Roman scourging. And for those that don't know what a Roman scourging, it is literally the process where they would take a victim, they would tie their hands up and place them uh, basically upon a pole, exposing the back. And a guard would stand on each side of the victim with a whip. Most people call it the cat of nine tails. And on this whip and each leather tail, it had a, a piece of either a bone or a piece of nail or glass, something sharp. And they would literally take turns beating the back of the victim. And, and if you do the study, go home and check me out on this. Be a Berean. Study what I'm preaching today. But most victims would not even survive a Roman scourge. That's how bloody of a that's how messy it was. Many believe that arteries and, and veins and even internal organs would be exposed during this. But yet the Bible says Jesus did that. And not only did he do that, we now, we now find him at the cross. We now find him, as some of your Bibles say, at the place of Golgotha or the place of the skull. Simply put, Jesus is at the place of death.
And so many of us, and even myself at times, the question is why? The question is why? And I think that's what I love about God's word is he doesn't just give us questions without answers. Every answer that we want to know is right there in his word. Because he's a faithful God. And we can see the answer to this question. And maybe for someone sitting in the audience today or someone that's at home watching in your living room or wherever you may be at listening in your car. The answer to this question is found at the very beginning of the Bible. And it's it's it's, in most Bibles the the headline is the fall of man in Genesis chapter three. And it is from that moment on the Bible is very clear that we all everybody say all have been born into sin. Every single person, you're, you're, you're not excused from this. Psalms 51, 5 says that, that we all have been born or conceived into sin. And, and Romans chapter 3, verses 23 says that we all have sinned. We all have sinned. And it is through our sin that we have been separated from God. That's Isaiah 59. One and two, but this is where the good news, this is where the gospel comes in today. This is where if you're someone sitting in this place today and you're like myself, I've been saved since I was eight years old. This is where the mission does not just start. It it continues. It it, it doesn't just finish right here. It, It just begins. Because the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is that even in the midst of the chaos, the sin and the separation, we find God ever so present in this place because God does not abandon his people you see God made a promise before there was even a problem I feel like preaching on Sunday today church you're going to have to help me out a little bit there was a promise even before there was a problem because the Bible says in John chapter 1 verse 1 the word was already with God in the beginning God knew that man would fall So the redemptive plan had already been set in place because the Satan always thinks he's going to win, but he doesn't church. So if you're sitting here today and you think that your life's tough, you have the victory if you have Jesus in your heart. Amen. Genesis chapter three, verse 15. God spoke to the devil and says, though you may bruise his heel, I'm going to bruise your head. And that is what we see taking place right here at Golgotha. The greatest gift that God could ever give was his son, Jesus Christ. And now he sits in the place where many of us deserve to sit at. And he is seated at the cross, bruising the head of Satan, bruising the head of death to give you ultimate victory. That is the answer to all your questions. So let's get into this conversation because I believe this is one of the most powerful conversations that take place in the Bible. And we're going to break this text down today. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23 verses 39 through 40, 43, I believe. Yes, 39 through 43. And it says this, then one of the criminals who were hanged beside Jesus blasphemed him saying if you are the christ save yourself and us but the other rebuked him saying listen to this do you not even fear god seeing that you are under the same condemnation and we indeed justly receive the due reward for our deeds but this man this jesus he's done nothing wrong Then I want you, if you have your Bibles underlined, this is one of the most powerful acts of faith in the scripture. 
One of the most powerful moves of the presence of God in the scripture takes place upon the cross. This criminal says then to Jesus, Lord, remember me. When you come into your kingdom and Jesus said to him, assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word today. God, your scripture says that the grass withers, the flowers fade, God, but your word, it stands forever. So, Father, I just pray, Lord, now as as I just begin to be a vessel, Lord, a mouthpiece for you, God. Lord, I pray that your word will begin to penetrate to every single heart, Lord, no matter what aspect of journey of faith we are on right now. Lord, if we're not saved yet, Lord, or we've been saved a hundred years, God, I pray that you would speak a new and a fresh word into our life today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. I want, I want to talk to you real quickly today on three points on the gift of salvation. And the first point is, and you can elbow your neighbor to make sure they're still awake. Give them a good old chicken wing, good old chicken bump, right? The first one I want to tell you or discuss with you that I can see from this scripture today is you can't earn it. Everybody say that today. You can't earn it. Say it like you mean it. Say it like you're in church today. You can't earn it. You can't earn it. Some translations say that these men or these criminals were thieves. And man, I don't even think the word thief does justice once again for the type of men that these were. Because I believe, and honestly, you could be labeled a thief for stealing a Pepsi and a Slim Jim from the local snack attack store, can't you? That's a thief, right? You could steal a piece of double bubble and be a thief, right? <laughs> Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. <laughs> but I believe that, that we need to understand the scripture here. That the cross is so much deeper than a piece of double bubble in a Slim Jim. And I think that we get a great insight. A great insight in the type of thieves that we were. And I think Jesus even describes uh, the type of thieves that are hanging on his right and his left here at Golgotha. And we can see them described in, in, in Luke chapter 10 around verse 30 when Jesus is talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. I think Jesus gives a great illustration of the type of thieves that were hanging next to him here at the cross. And these particular type of thieves, the Bible says, would strip people of their clothes. They would literally beat them and then they would walk away, leaving the victims half dead. Right. That's the type of thieves that many believe that were hanging next to Jesus here. This isn't your your Slim Jim and Pepsi thieves. These are are cold blooded killers. These people are ruthless. They're 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 hostile thugs with no human regard to anybody but themselves. They're very selfish, selfish, wicked, evil men hanging to his right. And to his left. But yet the Bible says that it was first to these criminals That as we talked about last week, Jesus, with every single thing that he could and speak, says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You see, that's what I love about this series. And I was, Pastor Kent was telling me a little bit about this through the text, is how it flows together. Because, because of the, hear this, because of forgiveness, we talked about last week, the door to salvation has been opened. And you guys are going to talk about next week through salvation, you can have relationship. Powerful stuff going on here. 
But Jesus, Jesus says first to these criminals, men and, and, uh, who do not even deserve this. Dorea. Don't even deserve it. But yet Jesus speaks to them, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You see, the Bible says, and it is very clear, that we cannot earn this gift of salvation. If I had a hundred dollars here this morning, which I don't, so don't get your hopes up, <laughs> and I gave it to someone, you did nothing to earn that, did you? I just gave it to you. And this is hard for us to understand in our Western culture because we are so used to earning things. That's why we work, right? We work to put food on the table. We work to earn our wages so that we can go on vacation, so that we can have a house, a roof over our head, clothes on our back. We're, 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 we're so used to earning things, but yet the greatest gift, the Bible says, you cannot earn it. And so many people try to earn salvation when the Bible says, and it's very clear right here in this moment, so listen to this, if you struggle with, with trying to earn your salvation, you can't. Because this criminal... Everything that he could work with is tied up. <laughs> I feel like preaching today. Everything that he work, you work with your hands and your feet, don't you? I sit at a desk now and look pretty and, and try not to get my nails dirty. But back when I would hang sheetrock and, and, and do hard labor construction, I had to use my hands and my feet to get the work done. But yet the Bible says this criminal is tied up and he's nailed to the cross beside Jesus. He can't earn it. You can't earn it, people. You can't earn salvation. It's Dorea. It's given above and beyond what you deserve. But yet, even in the midst of that moment, Jesus speaks out and says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The book, in Ephesians chapter 2 even goes as far as to say this, for it is by grace. Mm. It is by grace. That you have been saved through what? Through faith. My baby girl's pointing at me. She says, Daddy, you preaching good today. She's my number one fan. Sometimes at our church, she'll just walk up on stage with me. Because <laughs> she's got some wheels, man. She's fast. Everybody asked me, they said, man, is your daughter always that happy? I said, yep, she's got one speed and it's full throttle, baby. <laughs> full throttle. Sorry about that. She, she's amazing. I love her. She's, she's, yeah, she's great. Anyways, the Bible says that, 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 that for by grace that you have been saved through faith, through faith. And it is not your own doing. It is a, what? It is a gift of God. Listen, not a result of works so that no one can boast. Hear this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Salvation is not about what we can do. But about, G, but what about Jesus has already done? Salvation is not about what you can do, but what about Jesus has already done? I love what Paul says when he talks about it in Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse fifteen. He, he he says this gift of grace is unspeakable. It's unfathomable. I can't even grasp it. Paul says. Paul says, I'm the worst of the worst sinners, yet God reached his hand out and touched my life. I can't explain that. 
Paul says, I used to murder Christians. I used to sit while people would stone Christians. I would hold the cloaks of men and women who hated Christians, but yet God changed my life. God ripped the scales. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse four. He's, he's changed. He's, he's lifted the scales of the, of my eyes from the unbelief. Because you can't earn salvation. It's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Somebody say it's a gift from God. Second Corinthians chapter five verses 21 says that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him, in Christ, not in yourself, not in your works, but it's in Christ that we might become righteous That we might become the righteousness, the right standing. People want to know what righteousness means. I say right standing with God. Through Jesus, not through your works. Not through what you can do with your hands. But it's about what Jesus did with his hands as he submitted on the cross. You can't earn it. The second thing I want us to look at this morning in this text is salvation comes in the darkest hour. (laughs) Salvation comes in the darkest hour. That's what I love about the Bible is, is Pastor Kent shared a little bit in Acts chapter 16 last week. And I was doing some studying in Acts chapter 16 before he, he asked me to preach to fill in this week. And there's something that takes place in Acts chapter 16 that I think is powerful. And it is when the move of God came in that jail cell with Paul. The Bible says it was at midnight, the darkest hour. God has a way of making his greatest victories in our darkest hours. And we're going to see that right here at the cross. We're going to see that right here in this conversation at the cross. Because I want us to think about this real quick. Think about the setting, the context of scripture, where we are. Because you have to do that when you read the word. If you just skim, if you just do like I did in school, when you're making a book report and try not to, and you try to write a book report without reading the book, you don't get it. (laughs) You don't get it. And that's what happens with a lot of people and Christians. We, we don't read the book. We, we, we just try to paraphrase. We just try to listen to all the, read the Bible, study the context. There's power in it. And there's power in this conversation because as we study about crucifixion, And the conversation that's happening right here on Golgotha, the place of the skull, we can find that in crucifixion that studies show most victims would die because of suffocation. Because all of the weight of your body is placed upon the arms. The arms are supporting your whole entire body weight. So it's, I don't know about you guys, if you tried to hold your breath underwater and to be just for an example, And you begin to, okay, it's time to get up, right? That's what suffocation feels like. You can't breathe. It's hard to breathe, let alone talk. But yet Jesus, though he was suffocating, cried out, Father, forgive them. And I want to see, as we see forgiveness, Jesus gives the message of forgiveness, which we talked about, opens the door to salvation. Look what happens here. A criminal Begins to cry out to God when he when he's at his wits end, man, it, his life is done. He is hanging on the cross, can't hardly breathe. And it is in that deep, dark 
moment that God begins to speak, the Holy Spirit breathes into his heart, begins because forgiveness has been spoken. This is why we share the gospel, church. Man, people ain't getting saved. Are you telling them about the forgiveness that Jesus can offer them? Because people won't get saved if they don't know what you got to offer. But Jesus offered forgiveness, which opens the door to salvation. And here upon the cross, and I can talk about how it's a choice to accept Jesus because it is. It's a choice. We see one criminal mock him, mock Jesus. He just wanted the the the, the, the benefits of the blessing. But yet we see the true heart of salvation in this criminal in this darkest hour when he can't breathe. He cries out to God. That's a powerful moment. That's a powerful moment. He cries out to God. And asks for help. You see, the, the, the Bible tells us in Psalms 145 verses 18 that the Lord, everybody say, is near. The Lord is near to all. All to all who call upon him. You're not disqualified from the kingdom of God because of your past. And you guys are quiet for good preaching today. You're not disqualified from the kingdom of God because of your past. Hmm. It was in this moment. That this criminal, this wretched sinner, he began to step out to God. And hear this, when we step out to God, he steps out and into us. Man, this is good preaching. When we step out to God, he steps in. Praise God. How many are thankful for the friend that we have in Jesus Christ? Amen. Can we give the Lord a shout of praise real quick? Because, man, I'm preaching a whole lot better than what y'all are telling me right now. Praise God. Don't make me start getting on the pews because I've done that before. That's my wife. (laughs) Y'all think I'm crazy. I am (laughs) crazy about Jesus. (laughs) But it's in the it's in the deepest, the darkest, the most sinful moments. That's why Jesus went to the cross. That's why he went to the cross. It's for you. For those moments when you're lying in bed and and regretting everything that you've done. Saying, God, how could you ever love someone like me? That's why Jesus died for you. For that moment. So he could be an ever so present help in a time of trouble because that is who he is. Psalms 46.1, you can write that down. God is an ever present help in a time of trouble. You just got to cry out. You just got to reach out to him. Oh, oh, pastor, you don't know my past. I don't know about your past, but I can see in the scripture, the criminal in his past and what Jesus did with him. He can do the same for you. I believe that. I believe that online. If you're watching online, man, you're not disqualified from the kingdom because of your past. God sees you in your deepest, darkest moment, and he is right there with you. He is just waiting for you to cry out to him. That's for someone today. I don't know if they're in here or online, but that's for someone today. You're not disqualified from the kingdom because of your past. This is what the Bible says. Jesus tells us back in Luke chapter 5 verses 31 through 32. He says this simply, healthy people don't need a doctor. How many of you guys have ever been to the doctor because you felt great? (laughs) Right? I'm avoiding going to the dentist and my tooth hurts, right? (laughs) We go to the doctor because we're sick or we need help, right? Right? Look what Jesus says. 
Look what Jesus says. He says, healthy people don't need a doctor. He says, the sick people do. Listen, he says, I have not come to call those who think they are righteous. But I have come to call those who know they are sinners and they need to repent. I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son. And it's man, it's when we come to our senses, when we realize what we have done. And we believe in what Jesus has done for us. That is when the Holy Spirit comes. That is when the presence of God comes into our life. And it can happen in the deepest and the darkest moment because God is a God of light. And the Bible says that light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never, ever, 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 ever expose the light. Because God is light. God is light. The last thing, the last thing, you guys still awake? Pastor told me to keep it short, so I'm going to keep it short and sweet today. The last thing, this is the tough one. Salvation requires death. This is a tough one. Salvation requires death. And our scripture text, as you look upon this and we begin to think about what's happening here, this is a pretty hardcore example of what salvation and death look like. Because I'm not here to tell you that if you come up to the altar today and you ask Jesus into your heart that you're going to fall over dead. (laughs) It's not really the way it works today. If it did, that would be kind of scary. But that's what happened at the cross here. This man is at his wits end. And some of us are at our wits end. We don't know what to do. We've tried everything this world can offer us. But yet when forgiveness is spoken, and if you're even in here today and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, he could forgive you for everything that you've done wrong. It's when that message is is spoken that the Holy Spirit has a chance to operate and begin to work into a heart and change them. You guys, we, we, we think so much that we can change people. Only God can. That's why we shouldn't worry about if people accept our message or not. Because in reality, the Bible says they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. And Jesus says those who reject me reject the one that sent me. So they're not just rejecting the one who can give them access to heaven. Because the Bible says in John chapter 14, verse 6, that Jesus is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. That no one can come to the Father except through him. So they're not just rejecting the Son. They're not just rejecting the atoning sacrifice that stood in the place, in a place where they should have died. But yet they're also rejecting the actual judge who will who they will stand before one day and say, Uh, well done my good and faithful servant or or sorry to the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth you go because you've done nothing for me you've done nothing to accept me so we shouldn't worry about what people think about the message of of Jesus Christ because it doesn't matter because it's not about you it's about what he did for you so salvation this is for us as the church today it requires a daily death This man at the cross, he physically died, yes, because of his sins. He says, I'm here because I deserve what I have done. And I believe so wholeheartedly that even still today, if someone is in prison, they've committed the worst crimes and they're in the execution chair and they have a real encounter with God, I believe that they will go to heaven. That's the gospel. But yet for us as the church today... That are still living that may have Jesus in our heart. Are we dying daily? Because that's what Jesus has encouraged us to do. 
So what does that mean? That sounds so crazy to die daily. It does sound crazy. To die daily means to surrender it all. To surrender it all. And what worries me about modern Christianity today is I think we have a lot of churches filled with people who are not surrendering at all. Man, a church gets quiet when you're preaching good. I think we're living in a, in a sugar-coated Christianity culture right now. And the Bible warns us to watch out for this. That's a sign of, of Jesus coming back. And you can watch the news and everything going on right now in the news, and I could say it's more clearly evident than ever that Jesus is coming back real quick. Wickedness and lawlessness shall increase in the last days, Jesus said. It's happening. It's happening right now. Turn on Fox News. Turn on CNN News. Turn on Newsmax. Whatever news. I don't do news because it's too negative for me. I do the Bible. (laughs) And preach what it says to encourage others in the world. I don't get into politics. Somebody told me a long time ago, one of my mentors, uh, through the Assemblies of God, he says, Politics don't belong in the pulpit. And I've taken that to heart. I stay away from it. I preach Jesus. But salvation requires death. It requires surrendering it at all. And we are living in a Western culture, a a society who is not surrendering everything that we have to Jesus. We are so much like the other criminal When God doesn't do something for us right now, we mock him and we curse him with our mouth. That's all that guy wanted. He just wanted Jesus to get him off the cross. He didn't want access to a relationship with him. He just wanted the benefit of the blessing. And so many people right now, so many churches, even pastors, I'll just be real, are trying to serve God for the benefit of the blessing without a real relationship with him. And that doesn't work. Because Jesus said salvation requires death. It requires surrendering it all. I'm going to preach a side of salvation as we close that you may have never heard before. Because so many people think that salvation is candy land. That, that it's all sugar-coated and fairies and roses and life never gets tough. No, it, the battle just began now. Salvation is for the hardcore radical people of God. Who said, God, I'm going to give you everything I have. Come whatever, come my way. Death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, no principalities, no height, nor death. Nothing can separate me from the power and the presence of God. That is real salvation. It's not the benefit of the blessing. It's a real relationship. It's a thankfulness in your heart that you can just take that breath. And have a, an experience, an encounter with the living God. Right here and right now. That's what real salvation is. Jesus even said so much uh, as to salvation and how we die. He said this to the crowd. As I say to the crowd today. If any of you wants to be my follower. How many want to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Don't raise your hand if you don't mean it. Got quiet over here. I'm going to try that over here. This is, is this where the more spiritual people said, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Nope. Cause we got grandma. I got the hammer over here. So 
We're balanced. <laughs> We're balanced out. Praise God. And my wife's over here too, so I better watch what I say. I know who cooks my dinner, man. I know who cooks my supper. If not, McDonald's will do. Praise God. This is what Jesus... <laughs> Speaking of food, how many are ready for the darn Mexican restaurant just to open? Like, good grief. We don't need the liquor license. Open the restaurant. We want our Mexican food. If you're online, we love you. We can't wait for you to serve our community. Sometimes you got to break the ice when preaching gets good. Somebody just wink at me real quick. Thank you, Pastor, for doing that. But this is what Jesus... Oh, man. They say you can't have fun in church. That's what religion says. That's not what relationship says. Relationship with God, I think God has a sense of humor that we've just never seen before. Some, nah, never mind. I'm not, that was going political and I'll just stop it right there. That was going political. Let's get that thought out. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, we had some people who say, man, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to be a friend of Jesus. Listen, he said, Gracie's getting it. Praise God. You must give up your own way. Surrender it all. He says, you got to give up your old way. See, that's the side of, of salvation and sanctification that's always been been hard for me to understand. Because I'll be straight with you guys. I want so bad to be perfect. <laughs> How many Christians have been in this walk, this journey for a while? And, and man, you're, you're with me there. You want so bad just to do nothing wrong. <laughs> you want to be perfect, but you can't. That's where this process of salvation and sanctification in. And this is where we have to take the balance of the word. It's nothing that we could do because it is what Jesus has done. But yet Jesus says if we want to truly follow him, we have to give up everything. We have to give up all our past, all our failures. We have to give up the things that are holding us down, the sin that so easily entangles us. And that's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to do. That's why it requires death. Do you know what death is? It's not literally just like, oh, God, take it and slide your throat open. That's not what it is. You want to know what death looks like? It's right here. This is what death looks like. This is what death looks like. Saying, God, I, I may not be perfect, and God, I fall short. And I just surrender everything to you. Jesus says this is what a follower of him looks like. And I want us to think for a moment. When was the last time you were in this position in your relationship with Jesus? Think about that for a second. Because I think that's what worries me the most about the church today. If we're so caught up in the entertainment of church that we're missing out on the empowerment of the spirit. And Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, you're going to have to surrender it all. Even when it hurts, you surrender it. You give it. 
But pastor, I can't get over it. I can't get over this struggle, this addiction. You keep surrendering and you keep dying to it every single day. If you fall, listen, listen to this. If you fall, don't fall backwards, fall forward. I feel like preaching today. This is what death looks like. Surrendering it all to him, surrendering everything that you have to Jesus. You surrender and you die to the flesh. You die to the things of this world. You die to the beliefs that this world is trying to put out there that are okay. You die to those. Because if it doesn't line up with what the word says, you die to it. And Jesus goes on to say, if you try to hang on to your life. If you try to hang on to the treasures and the things of this world, Jesus says, if you try to hang on to your life, he says, you're, you're, you're in reality, you're going to lose it. What does that mean? If you try to store up your treasures here on earth and not in heaven, you're not going to heaven. <laughs> if you just want to be blunt. If you're not storing your things and the treasures in your heart, in heaven, you're more focused on everything that's going on in the world. You're like the first criminal. You just want the benefit of the blessing rather than a full surrenderment. Jesus says you're going to ultimately lose your eternal life with him. But I love Bible butts. Has Pastor Ken ever told you about Bible butts? I tell my youth boys, this is the only butts that you like are Bible butts. <laughs> Right or wrong, that's what I tell them. Because, because what this means is there's a transition taking place in scripture. Jesus has just said one thing, and now we're transitioning to something that's gonna be really good. And if you read the scriptures, check me on this, anytime you see a Bible but, it's almost like, oh, gloom and doom, and then but, it's like, ooh, this is the good stuff. This is the good stuff. So it says, and Jesus says, but if you give up your life for my sake, he says, you will live. Surrenderment. If you give up your life for my sake, he says, you will save it. Then he says, and he throws this question, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you are losing yourself or, or you yourself are lost or destroyed? Meaning, what benefit is it if you have all the money in the world, but you don't have Jesus in your heart? What benefit is it if you're making more on a paycheck, but you're missing time out with your family and spending time together in the presence of God? What benefit is that? Then he says, if you are ashamed of me and my message, the son of man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory. We must take up our cross and follow him. Galatians chapter two, verses 20, and I'm wrapping this thing up. So praise team, if you want to get ready to, to start coming to come forward. I want us to leave with this verse here, an encouraging verse. And that's what I love about the Bible is filled with so many men and women of God who who struggled. Who struggled, but yet they kept clinging and they kept dying to their flesh. That encourages me. To read in the Bible people who were not perfect. 
And the Apostle Paul says this in Galatians chapter 2. But I want us to think about this. He's in prison while writing this. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. And man, I was praying yesterday. And I think God began to. It's one thing that you, you can be saved for so long and God could still just. Pull down and mm, just touch your heart. And I was reading that scripture. I could just picture myself. as that criminal hanging right beside Jesus on the cross. And as I look over. I could just see the love in Jesus' face. Because that's how much he cares about you. And Paul says, now, as a changed man, I've been crucified with Christ. He says, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's no longer about me anymore. It's about what Jesus has did for me. And he says, and now this life I live in the flesh, I live by faith. Can't earn it. It's by faith. That criminal on the cross, he just asked the Lord to remember him. He didn't even ask to go to heaven. Did you guys catch that? He just said, remember me. Just don't forget about me. Lord, he's like Lazarus. And and when Jesus is talking, just don't forget about me. But yet love looked right back at him in the face. I love what Kent said last week. Sin was the problem and love was the answer. Love looked right back at him and said, today, you will be with me in paradise. Today, you will be with me in paradise. It is, is, it is by faith in Jesus, the Son of God, who loved himself and gave himself for me. I want us to bow our heads today. And praise team, you can, you can start to play something slowly. I'm done. I'm done here. But I want us to give, I like to call as we, we, we study the word, I like to call it a time of reflection. Because I think this is the moment, don't miss this moment. This is where I think God begins to really speak to his people is right after the word is spoken. Because I believe so much in the power of and of the word of God. The Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces souls and hearts. And I believe so much in the power and the presence of God. That after the word is spoken and as we begin to reflect on the word. That is when God begins to really pour into us. Because hear this. As we are emptying ourselves out. God is beginning to pour himself into you right now. And I want us to think real quick this morning about our personal relationship with God, because we're talking about salvation today. And I want you just to self-examine your heart right now in this moment. And I want you just to begin to ask God, Lord, am I dying to myself daily or am I living for myself? God, am I chasing you or chasing the things of this world? 
I want you to ask yourself, which criminal am I today? Am I one who's so focused on the benefits of the blessings of God rather than a full surrenderment to him? Or maybe you're here today or listening online and you've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart. And you're sitting here saying, how in the world do I do this? The Holy Spirit is pricking your heart right now and something's happening that you've never felt before. And you're like, what the heck is going on right now? That's the love of God pouring in. And all the Bible says that you have to do is, is, is one, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And number two, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Because, it, because it's, it's by his wounds, it's by his stripes that we are healed. It's by his wounds, by his stripes that we are forgiven. It is because the blood of Jesus that was shed for us that we are forgiven. The perfect, spotless lamb of God. The atoning sacrifice for everything that you could ever do wrong. You just have to confess and believe. And if you've never taken that step of faith today, I'm going to ask Pastor Kent to come up here on my left. I want you to go talk to Pastor Kent today. You've never asked Jesus into your heart and you're saying, man, I want to do that today. I don't want to miss this moment. I've thought about this for a while. I've been even coming to church for a while, but I've never professed that with my mouth. And man, I want to do that today. I've been trying to do it through works, but man, that God really spoke to me and said, man, it's just by faith. Come forward today and pray with Pastor Kent. And the second call that we have today and that I want to share today is are you in full surrenderment? Maybe you've asked Jesus into your heart. But you're not in a state of full surrenderment. Maybe you have backslidden some. Maybe you've gotten caught too much up with what the world has to offer. This guys is so easy to do. I'll be straight with you. I'm a pastor and it's easy for me to do if I don't watch it. There are so many things that this world can pull us and take us. But man, today you say, God, I just want to come back home. I just want to get back right. All you have to do is just cry out to him. Just say, Father, forgive me for what I have done. Because forgiveness has already been, has already been offered. You just got to receive it now.